0: There were all these reports about how, you know, 70% of projects get released that are not fully scoped or are late. So, you know, we didn't have those great days. And what Agile sets out to do is to say, how about we do a little bit of work, show you where we are, validate it with the customer, do a little bit more work. And that's totally appropriate when you're trying to build something that's never been built before.
1: Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development as businesses aim for long-term success. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sofian CTO. If you're looking for additional information around new product development or corporate innovation, sign up for Sofian's newsletter where we share news and industry best practices monthly. The fastest way to do this is to go to sofian.com That's S-O-P-H-E-O-N dot com and click the sign up and stay informed box. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining. Welcome back. Today, I have a guest and this is going to be a fun one because we have a somebody who really knows product management inside and out, and it's just going to be fun to talk about product management for a while. So I'd like to welcome to the show Steve Johnson. Steve is an author, speaker, product coach. He's really covering everything from idea to market. He, he really focuses on what it calls the new way of doing it, You know, the minimal process, simple techniques, being nimble. So been has been a real a pleasure to welcome Steve. Glad you could join us. Certainly glad to be here, Paul. So, Steve, where where are you in the world? Where are we talking to you from?
0: I'm in Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C., in a small town that is between someplace and someplace else. (laughs) Good. (laughs) And how's your
1: summer going (laughs) so far?
0: Well, other than various flavors of too much heat, business is good, family is healthy, pets are fine, and I'm, uh, I'm really on my game with Sudoku. So
1: Aha! a lot of good going on. Yeah, I play that a few times a day myself. <laughs> I just can't get away from it. Found a nice app and I just am always in it. Yeah, makes it easy. I know you've got a, you've got a book, Turning Ideas into Products, right? How's, when did you write that book?
0: Well, you know, when I started my company about 10 years ago, the first thing I did was follow my own advice. And that is go out and talk to people. And so I ended up interviewing over 100 VPs of product management, VPs of development, and chief product officers. And my real question was, how has Agile impacted product management? It was fascinating. 50% said it's been an absolute disaster. And the other 50% Hmm. said life is forever improved. And what I found was the companies that were having a disaster had redeployed all their product managers as product owners then they had nobody doing product management because product owner is a subset of product management so anyway based on that based on that the the research i did i realized there were quite a few things that leadership needed to understand and product managers for that matter needed to understand about the role so i wrote turn ideas into product available on amazon there you go. and it's been a very good tool for getting people to understand there's, there's so much more to product management than reading aloud from JIRA to the developers.
1: You're singing out of my hymn book. Uh, <laughs> now, Steve, you, your company is called Under 10 Consulting, right? Correct. Was the company first or the book first? Or how did that come together? How'd you kind of get started? The
0: company was first, but, but to do a little history, I had a few real jobs for a while, My first job out of college, I was a programmer. My boss did just a super kind thing. He said, I don't think you ought to be a programmer. I think you ought to be a sales engineer. And I had never heard of that. I mean, who in college has ever heard of sales engineer? So he hooked me up with a buddy of his across town to interview for the sales engineer job. And if you're not familiar with that role, it's super critical for a complex product with a direct sales force. So, you know, two two people go on a sales call. One of them knows the product and the other one drives the car. So the, <laughs> the first one there is the sales engineer. Yeah. I did that for a few years and then I thought, well, heck, I can drive a car. So I moved into sales and found out there was a whole lot more to selling than just driving the car. You know, there was also discounting. And so I did that for a while and actually started outselling everybody else in this one product where I had deep domain expertise. And I put together a playbook, which is how I was selling really more. And my boss said, could you train the rest of the guys? And so I had a Saturday event to train the sales team. The VP of sales found out. And he said, well, I don't know what you did to Virginia, but come do it to the rest of the country. And so I did this road show. And my last stop was in Los Angeles. And the VP of marketing came in while I was doing the sales training and said, who are you, and what are you doing? And I, I said, "Oh, I'm just a sales guy from Virginia out teaching product, man- uh, teaching the product to the sales team." And he said, "Well, that's product management." And I said, yeah. "Really?" And so he moved me into a product management role, and you know, I finally found this wonderful intersection of all the things that interested me. You know, there was there was some business stuff, and there was some technical stuff, and there was some go-to-market stuff, and I really liked that. And then, you know, I moved up through the ranks to be the head of marketing when a buddy of mine started Pragmatic Marketing. And, you know, I'm getting awfully close to answering your question here, by the way. A buddy of mine started Pragmatic. A couple of years later, he called me and said, you know, dude, I'm making a living. Come join me. We grew Pragmatic over the, well, 15 years that I was there and had a wonderful time doing it, except so many people came up to me during and after the training and said, you know, can you come back and help? So I set off to do that. I sat down with the leadership and said, hey, do you want to get into the consulting business? And they said, no, we really, really, really don't. So I started this thing called Under 10 Consulting. And the the joke of the title, uh, the joke of the company name yeah. made so much sense at the time. <laughs> but you can't do all the 37 boxes of the pragmatic framework. You ha- focus on only 10 or fewer. Fo- focus on under 10 of the boxes. So once you hear that, you go, oh, that totally makes sense. But So to answer your question, I started under 10 Consulting about 10 years ago and did my due diligence. I mean, I interviewed potential buyers about what their issues were and realized that, you know, most teams are living in utter chaos. The product managers have been given no training, no guidance. And if you ask five people, what is product management? You'll get seven different answers. So I set out to, a, to approach some of that with my book, but also with my, my workshops and, and consulting. What's your
1: definition of product management?
0: Ultimately, product management is about removing friction for buyers and users. I mean, ultimately, the, the biggest goal, right, is to turn good ideas into successful products systematically. And I think a lot of the teams I work with, they do it, but they don't do it systematically. They do it through individual heroics, which is why there's so much different. uh, uh, There's so many things different about one product versus another. Uh, And I've seen this like in the leadership. The product manager number one presents a roadmap, and product manager number two presents a roadmap, but it's a different format. And product manager number three presents a roadmap, which is done in you know Excel or PowerPoint. And it's frustrating to the leadership to look at these three different things, all calling themselves roadmaps. So over the last 10 years, I've really focused on helping teams figure out what their process is. And, oh, here's another one. Every company is unique. The best practices of that company may not be the best practices of this company. Different people, different products, different cultures. And so what I try to help them do is find what is their best practice, not the industry best practice. And Along the way I've 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 realized just recently that what I've really been doing is helping them implement what we now call product ops. This consistency, the standardization of methods and access to data and tools that we're using to communicate.
1: Is there a concept of a a real best practice or is there a starter set? I mean I've I've heard companies say, you know, we don't know how to do this. Can you give us something to get started? Um, Mm -hmm. Is there the concept of, yeah, there really is a a best practice or at least a starting point? How, How do you put those two together?
0: There are some central truths, but even, you know
1: what, even those central
0: truths are not consistently held within a company. So, for instance, it's a, to people in product management or, for that matter, development or design, would all agree that firsthand experience with the customer is a key to building great products. I take that as a given, you know, it's a, it's a tautology, you know, it's, it's a core belief. And yet I visited a client a while back to do some team assessment. And I said, you know, how many of the product managers actively spend time with customers? The answer was none of them. Mm. And I said, well, you know, we need that. We need to start there, you know, and the sales team went insane. They're like, you know, we're not letting any of those product managers into our territories. And once you're in this concept that customer discovery is done by product management, it, it blows your mind when you run into companies that refuse to let product managers talk to customers. And in big companies, it's generally because the sales team says, well, if you're going to talk to a customer, I need you to talk to this prospect and, you know, help me mm. sell the deal. But that's not customer discovery. That's sales engineering.
1: That is that is fantastic. I'm, I'm just thinking of our own journey in Sophion around product management. It's so much supports what you're saying, what we find as well. You coined a term, no chaos product process, right? Tell Mm -hmm. us about that. Well, again, I,
0: as I said a, a while back, what I find when I talk to product execs as well as product managers is there isn't really a process. What they, what they have, well, you know what they have they have a development process. Yes. Right? <laughs> right. And in fact, one of my customers said this recently I thought was just kind of brilliant. They said, you know, we've spent the last five years becoming agile. And yet they haven't actually. What's happened is development has become agile and is surrounded by a waterfall company. But even there, they, they acknowledge that they now know how to build products. And they are now realizing they don't know what products to build.
1: Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So, so if you think about that process, right, development is just one small, small piece of it. It might be a big piece for some people, but mm-hmm. it's, there's so much around it that's necessary. Yeah. I mean,
0: it starts with who are we trying to serve? Who are the personas? And, you know, even these little things that I talk about, like personas, I talk to some people and they go, oh, yeah, personas don't work for us. Uh, And I'm like, well, who are you programming to? And they go, well, we do custom programming for this guy or that guy or the other guy and hope other people like it. Personas are a tool that a no chaos process, if you will, begins with. I mean, who are we trying to serve? And once we know that, we do customer discovery to figure out what problems they have that we're able to solve we look at our own capabilities and say which of these capabilities help us deliver on this solution and we engage heavily with development on how to solve it and there's another you know tautology i don't tell developers what to build uh, and i think this is a huge uh, um, anti-pattern for so many teams that the sales guys or the executives or the product managers go into development and say Build me this feature. Right. And they're almost always wrong on what feature. Mm. And it, even customers. Customers are terrible at knowing what features to ask for. They're really good about describing problems they're trying to face or problems they're trying to deal with. So what I challenge you know, as part of any modern product process, you begin with an understanding of personas and their problems, then you get buy-in from leadership that, hey, I, w- I want to invest some money in solving this problem, you know, free up some money. And then we sit down with development and say, hey, here's some people and problems. Let's brainstorm how we could solve these. And the leader, the the, the lead role there is design and development, brainstorming ways and, and basically offering solutions to the product manager to choose from. And in so many cases, you know, one of those three, executive, salespeople, product manager, somebody else just says, hey, development, build me this widget.
1: Yeah. 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 I see that a lot. A good friend of mine often looked at, and this is a little bit in waterfall days, but I think it may still be appropriate. He he looked at the whole process as a saddle. He saw this front end piece, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot of what you're talking about is why are we here, right? Mm-hmm. And then development at that center point and then he he talked about the launch as well and I'd like to hear your perspective on the launch some companies tell me that the launch costs them more and there's more risk in the launch than there is in development do you see
0: that out there? I would totally agree with that and and that's you know while we're at it that's one of those things that the agile development movement is unaware of and I want to be clear, I'm not dissing Agile at all. I think Agile is brilliant, but it's a development method. Well, that's not even fair. I'm sorry. Agile is a philosophy that needs to permeate an organization. But in terms of implementation, what most people are doing when they, quote, go Agile, is they're implementing Scrum or something like that within the development team. And as you said, everybody else is still waterfalling. But there's nothing in most development methodologies that embraces the fact that once we're done building it, we have to somehow, you know, let people know. In in a typical development way, we would say, well, okay, we finished doing all the testing and the building and everything. We're ready to make it available today. It's available. And, you know, suddenly the customers are like, why is the user interface changed? And they call their sales guy, and the sales guy goes, well, "What are you talking about? I I haven't logged onto the product in in months. I don't know what you're you're, you're describing." And you know, there's just pan. You know, there's chaos again. So a a no chaos playbook is going to start with business planning. It's going to move into functionality uh, uh, design, whether that's software or content or uh, some other solutioning. And then it's also going to embrace, now that we have it, how are we going to go to market?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, I think you're doing a very good job of of positioning uh, Agile where it is, where it needs to be, and recognizing that there's a lot more to it to get from idea to market.
0: There is. There totally is.
1: However, I will say, I was doing a session
0: in Dallas, and it was quite fascinating after we, they had just gone through scrum training. And then somebody in the marketing department said, well, well we need a process for launch. And I went, well, why is launch any different than development? I mean, mm-hmm. you still have a, a set of problems you're trying to solve, a set of personas you're trying to communicate with. You need to break that work down into two-week sprints. And, you know, why... Don't confuse Scrum with development. Scrum is a planning method. And if you're not using Scrum, actually what I teach more of is Kanban. Yep. Uh, but still, I mean, planning is planning. And and yet what they said to me was, oh, no, you know, we need to know what features are coming out nine months in advance. And I'm like, well, gosh, I need to know how this stock is going to do nine months from now. But we're both <laughs> right. going to be disappointed here. <laughs> Who knows what's coming out in nine months? But I can tell you what problems we're trying to solve.
1: I think if you can, if a company can answer that question, what problems are we trying to solve? They've got a, a grounding, a foundation, right? Agreed. And if they don't really know that, and that's why that upfront work is so important. And not just
0: upfront, continual.
1: Continue. I mean, as you think mm-hmm. of... The failure of
0: Waterfall, you know, was not really the artifacts or the, the, the number of documents. I, I, and I know there were a lot of annoying documents back in the day. I mean, it was like, okay, first we need a business requirements document. Then we need a product requirements document. Then we need a feature specification document. And, you know, it was doc, certainly You're document right. heavy, yeah. right? But the problem with it was not so much the artifacts, but where learning occurred, which was at the very beginning and the very end.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, that's, I I know a lot of people I, in the Waterfall days look back and, and some people missed those documents because they did bring structure that's missing a, a lot of it moved into stories and epics right and it you did. have to say it well, it, it's just it moved it's just changed and went into a different form and yet you know
0: I, I've said for years uh, friends build products while enemies build documentation
1: <laughs> and
0: <laughs> my example is Your will and mine, you know, we, we both, I'm sure have a legal document that was done by a lawyer that explains everything. And of course, I don't know about you. I read mine and I go, I, it's taken him 27 pages to say the kids split it. (laughs) I mean, you know, my whole will is three words. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. And, you know, I probably don't even need a will unless the kids fight. Mm-hmm. you know, unless there's, you know, some other person who swoops in and says, oh, no, I I own, I own some of this. But what we did with the lawyer and what we did with our kids is talked. And I think as much as possible, stories, stories are a container or an invitation to a conversation. And in the old days of writing MRDs and PRDs and BRDs, we were trying to anticipate every objection, and we ended up with these documents that read like a will, instead of a document that read the kids split it. So, so let me run with that one just for one more second.
1: Yeah, please, because it's great. I I'm, I'm, it resonates Yeah,
0: yeah. The kids split it. So after we did our legal stuff with our, our lawyer, we did have we had to sit down with our kids and and said, okay, just so you know, I mean, you guys are 50-50 here. You're going to split everything. But, of course, I did write in the will that Chip, my my son, would get all the musical instruments. And my daughter will get all of my wife's jewelry. Not that there's that much of it, according to my wife. (laughs) But anyway, there's this real pregnant pause in the conversation. And finally, my daughter said, but Daddy... I want one of your guitars as as we talked about before the program began I paid my way through college playing guitar in bars and I over the years have acquired a good many of them and they keep getting taken away from me by my son who is a professional musician but still the argument of of my son being the musician should get all the guitars to make sense but then my my daughter was like but wait mm, you've been yeah. playing guitar my whole life I want one of them and you know what? A little tiny fight broke out as to which one she ah, wanted. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, the one that dad played most often is the one she wanted. And, and Chip is like, oh, no, that's his that's best That's the best guitar. one. You're <laughs> kidding me. You know, here, let me give you this plastic one we bought from Sears, you know? <laughs> and so, you know what? Good thing we hashed this out in a conversation before it went to court. Because a lawyer is going to look at the contract and say, well, no, according to the will, he said all the music, all the instruments go to the sun. And I, I think there's some of that attitude as we, as we remember the old days fondly, I suppose. But I think we need to remember the old days were not as great as we remember them. I mean, it's kind of like the people a little bit older than me who look back on the 60s as this wonderful time. When America was like destroying itself, you know, the 60s were a horrible time. You go back and look at pictures of everybody and you go, everyone is dirty and and needs a haircut, you know. So the good old days of Waterfall weren't really that good. And for years and years, there were all these reports about how, you know, 70 percent of projects get released that are not fully scoped or are late so, you know, we didn't have those great days. And what Agile sets out to do is to say, how about we do a little bit of work, show you where we are, validate it with the customer, do a little bit more work. And that's totally appropriate when you're trying to build something that's never been built before.
1: I Now I start to see people abusing Agile. It's almost like they're going back to the old waterfall tendency. Well, we don't have a story for that. We're, we're not going to do it. And these are our these are our 30 stories and let's put the blinders on and we're just going to crank through these stories and i see a lot of people struggling with new things coming in being disruptive right we're focused on these 30 things and this is it i see them starting to try to tunnel the agile a little bit have you seen any of that
0: well i have and you know i i've also seen you know as part of that a level of dysfunction that kind of looks like this. An executive or a product manager sits down with development and says, you know, solve this problem or more likely says, build me this feature. And then two weeks goes by, development comes back and says, OK, here's your feature. The executive or the product manager whoever asked for it goes, right. I hate what you did. And they're like, OK, well, what's wrong with it? Well, it's not yummy enough or it needs to be shinier. And the developer's like, you know what? How about this? I obviously don't know what you want. Why don't you tell me exactly what you want? And I will mm-hmm. give you exactly what you ask for. It's a, a response, I think, to bad story writing, bad feedback from the market. It's, you know, God spoke to me in a dream that we ought to have this feature. And development says, OK, this is really exciting. I built this feature. And, you, and, and then you say, well, I don't like the way you built it. I mean, does it solve the problem is the only acceptance criteria.
1: I was um, the fun thing about the Internet, Steve, is you, you come across stuff that you maybe saw and you come across it again. I just came across a quote from. Well, Steve Jobs. Yeah, here you go. Everybody, half the people roll their eyes and half the people have just sat up in a chair because they're ready to listen.
0: <laughs> well, that's how you be a consultant. First, you have to, to be a consultant, you have to not work at the company you're doing consulting with. You have to have a four square grid as a, a tool and you have to be able to quote either Steve Jobs or Peter Drucker.
1: Well, here comes the Steve here Jobs we go. quote. Hit me with yeah. some Steve Jobs. 2003. And he was talking about design and he said, design is not the veneer. And we see a lot of people saying, you know what? I need to redo the design. I need to, Mm -hmm. I need to make it look different. I need to make it look better. And he said, he said, design is not the veneer. Design is how it works. And I just, here we go again. Another one of those pearls, which is so true. I just want to hear your comment on that.
0: I totally agree. I mean, it's. When, for instance, on simple things, I mean, looking at your phone or, you know, some technology you have, some of them have an on-off option. You know, do I want my Wi-Fi on or do I want my Wi-Fi off? And then somebody says, well, hang on. What if we gave them a third option? And now it's difficult. You have to, you know, choose what that third option is. And I'm not Mm. sure this is as good a story as I thought it was going to be, but. (laughs) Let's go with it. All right. Then I'll I'll tell the one I really want to tell. Snow shovels are not shovels. They're plows. Mm. And for years and years, somebody said, you know what? I've got to do something with the the driveway, with the snow. I need a shovel. And so they went to whoever makes stuff and says, hey, I need a shovel, but I need it for snow. So they made this really, you know, they, they made a snow shovel. Because the very first thing they said is, I need a shovel. But you don't need a shovel. You need a plow. It is ridiculous for a 50- or 60-year-old man to go out into the driveway and dig a ditch in snow. Mm. And you would never expect somebody to do that if they were digging dirt. But, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And no wonder everybody's going to the emergency room all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, a designer stepped back and said, all right, wait, what is the problem we're trying to solve? We're trying to get the snow off the driveway. We're not trying to dig a hole in the driveway. We're trying to get the snow off. And so they redesigned the shovel to be a snow plow, which you push the snow off the driveway. And along the way, they introduced that S-bend in the handle so that you'd push with your legs instead of your back. And I think that is the perfect example of what Steve Jobs was saying, is solving the problem is the design. And there is a quote that I can't remember, but I'll, I'll text you afterwards. The goal of design is not beauty. But when you're done with the design, if it's not
1: beautiful, you've made a mistake. Oh, I love that. Yeah, please do. We'll put that in the show notes so that people yeah. can see it. Well, you know, Steve, I want to ask one Maybe one final question for you here. If I want to be a great product manager, if I want to do, or let's say if I want to do great product management, and I'm not sure that's kind of two ways of the same question, but what advice would you give me?
0: Well, it's going to sound maybe funny or even trite. Love the problem more than the product. When I talk to wannabe product managers, they say, you know, I want to be building great products. Oh, then you don't want to be a product manager. Product managers don't build products. Developers do. Designers do. What product managers do is they find conditions in the market where there is friction for either someone who buys a product or uses a product, and your company has an ability to solve that problem. It's the identification and articulation that is the product management And yet it's sad to me. Many people who are product managers are in fact not product managers. They're not or they're not doing product management. They have the title product manager, but they're actually designers or development leads. And that's why in many organizations, we're seeing product marketing managers step in and do a lot of the front end and the back end work because the product managers are so busy being developers. So if you want to if you want to uh build products, great, go into development. If you want to build businesses, go into product management.
1: That was a fantastic answer and it was not trite at all. Uh I think it really got right to the heart of it. So so uh, thank you for that. Well, you know, uh we could talk for hours, Steve. This is fantastic. I really want to I want to thank you. I just uh it's just incredible. If people want to track you or find you, how can they find you? Follow you.
0: Well, the easiest thing is all my coordinates can be found on my website at undertenconsulting.com with an alias of u, the letter u, the number 10.me. u10me will get you to undertenconsulting.com. That was probably too much information. I well,
1: apologize. we'll put this in the show notes. No, we'll put this in the show notes. There's another fact about you. You you talk quite a bit about your your musical instruments and all, and you play the guitar, but you you also have uh, published, created an album, haven't you?
0: I have. Uh, I'll tell you the short version. Years ago, my son, as he became a professional musician, he got really into producing songs in in the studio. And he said, you know, mom says you used to write stuff back in the day. So uh, I'd like to, you know, just do some recordings of your stuff. And Uh, Over the course of the next couple of months, I would play a song for him and I'd leave town and I'd come back and he'd produce it into this this wonderful thing and then let me, you know, sing the the lead. But he'd already done all the guitar parts and all the drum parts and all the bass parts. And so I, I didn't actually get to play the instruments except on one song. And then for Christmas that year, he handed me the iTunes page. So he had mastered all of the songs and he had put them out into the world, so you can go to notexactlysteve.com, and that'll take you to the iTunes page, also available on Spotify.
1: Uh-uh. well, you are a lucky man. That is, that is so fantastic.
0: <laughs> it was one of those lifetime yeah. things you really wanted to, I really wanted to do. And I, I'm certain, well, there's no way I could have done it with the quality that he did. So yeah, yeah, I hope yeah. you'll enjoy the vocal, but you'll definitely enjoy the musicianship.
1: Well, that's fantastic. So so I encourage everybody, check out the book, Turn Ideas into Products. Check out the notexactlysteve.com for the for the other side of Steve. And uh, he's got an actually fantastic website, under10consulting.com, with some really super articles on it. And uh, Steve, I, I hope you come back. I, I'd love to talk to you again. I think there's a, a whole bunch of subjects we could just explore together.
0: I'm sure there are. I'd love to come back. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, Steve, again, thanks for joining us. To, uh, to our listeners, uh, if you have other topics you'd like us to talk about, especially with Steve, if you've thought about this and say, hey, Paul, bring Steve back. I'd like to hear you talk about Subject X. Let me know. Give us, a, give us an email at talks at sophia.com, and uh, we'll certainly uh, uh, try to get Steve back again. So I wish everybody a great week ahead, and thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.